Schedulicity has done it once again. They, uh, uh, in addition to their $5,000 a month grant that they give to a barber or to a hairstylist, um, they just, uh, they just made it so it's uh, a little bit easier to make some money. Yeah. I mean, they uh, came out with a credit card processing uh, payment system called Schedulicity Pays. It's pretty exciting, right? I mean, like they're offering it, uh, they're offering credit card processing for 1.99% or 10 cents a, a swipe, but... And what's cool about that is that they'll get, even give you a uh, free uh, card reader. That's unheard of, right? Because I know I paid like a bunch of money for mine. Yeah. You know? So they're going to give it to you free and then only charge you 1.99% per- percent with a... Uh, 10 cent a swipe fee, right? Yeah, you can't beat that. You can't beat that at all. Um, and also what's really cool too is it works within your Schedule City app, so you don't even have to leave the app or use a different um, like app outside of outside of the, uh, you know, the, the, the already app, right? Yeah, you just stay in one platform. That's can't it. get easier than that either. I'm like, <laughs> I know, right? And you can uh, manage all your uh, all your papers right through there, right? Yeah, all your inventory and everything. It, you know, all major credit cards are accepted. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And the best part, which is also what makes Schedulicity incredible, is their their customer service, or as I like to be called, the rock stars. The rock stars. So you still have the love, same. Love the rock stars. The rock stars are are the difference makers in this company, as far as I'm concerned. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. And so you still get that uh, that that same service with them. Um, so I mean, literally getting paid just got a little bit better. Yeah. And then for uh, more information, just visit schedulicitycares.com to find out uh, more information on getting paid. Schedulicity cares. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. Of course, I sit with my best bud, Tony. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? I am so, I say this every week, right? But I am so incredibly excited for, for our guest today. Yeah, it, it was, uh, it, it took a minute to, to get connected, but. Uh, well, only I, because she's like the busiest woman in hairdressing. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, it, I, literally we're, we're sitting here talking and we, we do feel like a couple little school kids and she's much younger than we are. But, uh, you know, it's. Uh, In all, I think it's the best thing. Yeah, right, definitely. I was. I, I reached out to some of our friends, and I was. Uh, I was teasing them um, about like who our guest was going to be today, and uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm a little nervous. She's got me a little shook, and they were like, I don't blame you. <laughs> so I, I uh, with all honesty, you know, I, yeah. I can't wait to get into it. Um, I think I think it's just energy more than like nervous. Like I'm so excited to talk to her, and she has such a uh, such a strong um, opinion. Yeah, you know. I, 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 I love everything she's doing, what she stands for, what she represents. Um, she definitely stands up for the little guy. She stands, you know, she's just an incredible, and not only human being, but hairdresser. Boom. You know what I mean? So, so should we get in? Yeah, let's, let's, get, let's get to it. Okay, so enough of the teaser. So our guest today, and we're super excited to, uh, to, to talk to her, is uh, Sophia Hilton. If you the don't, one and only. The one and only. If you don't follow Sophia Hilton on Instagram, you must, you must, you must. And I think her Instagram handle, she'll tell us, but I think it's Hilton Sophia um, on Instagram. And, dude, she's just a badass, you know? I, 
I can't. That's that's to say the least. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I can't. I can't wait. I, I again. I'm. I'm super excited to be in the room with her. So I think they're done. They want to hear her. You know, they want to hear her cool accent, not our not our dorky one. Right. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get in. So, uh, Miss Sophia Hilton, welcome to your day off. Hi guys. Hey. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm just trying my best not to sink into an American accent because I am a sponge, and anyone. <laughs> Anyone watching from England are going to be like, oh my God, Sophia, stop it. (laughs) Well, I'm going to pick up a British accent, so we're good. We'll we'll end up somewhere in like the mid-Atlantic someplace. Right. Right. (laughs) That's awesome. Sophia, first off, thank you. Just thank you for uh, for for making the time for us. And I'm I know that uh, it took us a couple months to get you on, but uh, dude, we're 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 pretty stoked. I mean, if you didn't hear like the whole thing, but yeah, we're pretty stoked to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in a town. It's a seaside town. And um, for anyone from the States to try and understand it, it's so hard to describe, but it's a real wild little place. Um, it's really small, but it's where they have a lot of the, and you call them um, bachelor and bachelorette parties. Mm. So it's full of like fun fair rides and it has these piers going out into the water and the whole of summer, it's just full of, crazy party but families as well and it it was a really small place to grow up but a really liberal place to grow up so I'm really lucky as a great gay community and I grew up like being really open-minded about the gay community and so so it's it's small but but I think like really unique like really fat place it's called Blackpool in case anyone doesn't know Blackpool like P-O-O-L yeah, I don't really know why it's called that. <laughs> <laughs> Not so liberal. <laughs> really was, yeah. So That's much so entertainment. It's just a, an, it's, it's where anyone from England goes for a holiday vacation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay. UK. So, Is that where all yeah. your family's from? Yeah, it was a fun place to be. So that though, my, my mum's lived in Florida for 17 years, so I've been backwards and forwards from the States Oh, I don't know, like 25 times, something like that. Oh, hmm. no. We have to get together then. What, what part yeah. of Florida does she live in? Uh, she's Orlando, not the most exciting part, but it was where her business was. She's a hairdresser as well. So, um, yes, I've just always been to the States. I know it quite well. Is she, um, is she there now? She's not. She's just moved home to help me look after my boy, which is nice. Oh, but uh, cool. I'm, over there. I'm over next year. I'm going to, um, <laughs> let me get this right, to Mexico and L.A., so I'm doing like I'm doing two shows over there next year. So I'm and then coming to New York. So I'm coming. When are you guys? When are you? When are you there? When are you coming? When are you coming? Um, it's being released at the moment. I think it's June. I'm doing Connecticut with Gina Bianca. Oh, and Olivia, right? Olivia's at that event too. Yeah, right? but also I'm doing my own show there as well. So the day after her show, I'm doing mine, and then we're flying over to LA. The guy that um, does Lisa Loves Balayage's events, he's going to help me with one. So. That is so brilliant. Yeah, That's amazing, I've been man. on the cards for bloody ages. It's like, okay, just do it. Hey, Tony, you know what? I think we're making a road trip. I think we go to Connecticut. <laughs> so we're really friendly with Olivia and with uh, with Gina. So maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll, what's it called? Like we'll just bomb her like her class or yeah, something. Class bomb. Yeah, yeah. We'll class bomb. Photo bomb. <laughs> <with his> class <laughs> bomb. Class bomb. Right. Because <laughs> I, I would lo- I would love to meet you like in the real real. Wicked for sure. I was kind of hoping oh. she was saying that she was going to be in Orlando at the uh at premiere when she's at LA Ice, right? 
Yeah, I was hoping ice too. We're gonna be at ice here in in, uh, in January, but uh, that's cool, man. How did how did you um how did you find hairdressing? Um, oh, cute little story, really. I didn't want to be a hairdresser. I um, I just honestly felt, can I be honest, really honest? I thought I was better than that. I was like, no, I'm going to go to university. I'm going to do fashion and business. And I went to college and I did um, fashion and business. And my mom moved back over to the states just for um, just for twelve months. She thought she'd give it a go, so she could deal with the cold. She opened up her own little salon, really tiny salon. And she asked me on a Saturday if I'd come and pass extensions to her. And it was back in the day where you, like, they weren't pre-bonded. You had to kind of hand mix everything. It was quite a talent then, you know? Yeah. So I used to come on a Saturday. She gave me 20 pounds and I passed up the extensions. And then she was just like, screw this. It's too cold. I'm going back to Orlando. And she offered her clients, she used to charge them 150 pounds a day. And I was only 17 years old. And she offered for them to pay a hundred pounds a day if I continued to do them when she left. So she trained me up, left. And then I used to rent a chair in a salon and I had a client base when I was 17. It's like really mad. opportunity, right? hundred pounds a day was so much money. I, oh, I just, and I was never, I've never been money motivated, but I, it made me feel like a real grown up. Right. I really wanted to be a grown up. <laughs> and uh yeah and then and then obviously i was still at college i was still doing business and fashion which i find ironic because now the industry i'm in is business and fashion uh, <laughs> uh, and i quit that and i went to like i went to college and i i just loved it yeah i just i don't know my mom had already always encouraged me not to be a hairdresser when i was younger you know but she did a terrible <laughs> job <laughs> She was like, no, you're going to be better than that. You don't need to do this, blah, blah. But I guess we never really saw how amazing the industry was in the village that we were in. And, um, and the industry is incredible. And I used to go to this bit, to, to this, the, the closest city, Manchester, and I used to stand in the window of like a Tomian guy. And I'd watch these cool girls with the cool haircuts and the couches, you know, the, the side. And I used to look through the window and be like, oh, I want to see them, you know. And I saw this really exciting side to the industry that maybe I've never seen before, you know? Wow. What, what do you think it was about the industry? Like you speak with it with so much passion. It's just, it's even hard for me to believe that, that you had to be convinced to kind of get into it. Like, like um, when you said the rest is history, like what, what was it that grabbed you? The realization that you, you don't just do it for ends me. Like it's not just to put food on the table. Um, and a lot of people do still use the industry just to put food on the table. Um, but realizing that people do it for fun, <laughs> it was, and then, you know, to see that fun and excitement, I don't know, just, that, uh, it's almost like, you know, you said you didn't want to do it cause you thought maybe you'd be better than that, but somehow you developed this passion for it. You know, it's, it's kind of, and when I say better than that, I guess it's just the stigma of it being a dropout career, right? Right. That's all I mean by that statement. So the whole idea that if you can't do it, you do hairdressing. And I, I'm dyslexic, but I have an academic ability. So because I had a academic ability, it was definitely seen as a waste. Right? I don't waste yourself on something like that, which is really sad. And I'm really like against that now, you know, like, oh, it's so sad to see the lack of, uh, you know, lack of talent coming into our industry because the way people see it. Well, uh-huh. in our 
hundred percent. And there was no negative connotation when, when I said, you know, like you're settled you know, that, you know, you're, you're better than that. You know, like you said, there's it's such a stigma on our industry, but, you know, but by settling for it and then but still developing a passion for it is, uh, you know, because anybody who's behind the chair and they feel like they're stuck or, you know what I mean, that they're uh, just putting food on the table, there's still like, there's hope. There's, you know, you found a passion and desire, you know, so it didn't become settling for it. It became much larger than that for you. So uh, what was that transition? I'm, I'm really interested in psychology. So if you guys follow me, you might know that. And I was listening to a great podcast the other day, and I wish I could remember the name of it. But basically it was saying that most people, when you interview them, they found their passion. It wasn't necessarily their passion before they went into it. Often a passion is found once you start to feel it and move with it and, and, and it becomes part of you. But actually statistically, when they look at it, those people that are in a job that they're passionate about, sometimes they just got in it and had a go. And, and, it's, and it can take over you that way. So I think we need to put a little bit less pressure on our children of deciding what they're going to do for the rest of their lives on what they're already passionate about and just letting them have a go. And once you have a go, you get a feeling, right? Mm, well said. Well said. I love that. And, you know, I mean, at the base of human existence or human um, or social existence is that we want to fit in, right? So we just, we just got to, we're looking for a spot where we fit. Right. I mean, you can watch it. I mean, that's why we have clicks in high school. That's why we have clicks in middle school. And that's why we continue to have clicks into adulthood. And by yeah. the way, if you're in high school and you're listening to this, the clicks never end, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, it's just it's just we, we find our click and where we fit. And, and you know, as um, as as Robert Cromine says, we're an industry of misfits. Well, that's a bunch of misfits that found a fit. Right. You know, that's that's our tagline. <laughs> that our salad is a bunch of misfits. Really? Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I, I have a show. I personally have a show on the BBC called Misfit. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I, love that. I knew so that, I, but I was gonna, we were going to get into that later. But how did that? After for sure, but, yeah, it's funny you should pick up on that word because that's, that's been my word, weirdly. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're not, as you know, we're not fans, right? We, we know your words. We know your songs. No. <laughs> 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 so uh so when did you um when did you kind of move into uh into london um well i just always knew i wanted to move to london oh my god i just loved it i came here when i was 11 with my dad um my dad always told me my dad's right about nearly everything but he was wrong about this my dad told me you had to be rich to live in london he said that, you know places like that if you haven't got money they're no good and i can see why he thought that but it's not true. You know, I lived on minimum wage for a few years as I settled here. Um, I moved when I was 21. I started from the bottom and I just didn't need money. And right. it really surprises me how many young people now struggle to survive on the same income that I didn't struggle to survive on because I didn't care. All I wanted to do was be educated. All I wanted to do was get the best I could be. I never even noticed I was poor. Never. Because I'd never had money before anyway. Right. So it made if you've never had it, you don't miss it. That's true. That's... <laughs> yeah. And um, and I found everything to do for free in London. I traveled, you know, I traveled around and I, I visited. There's so much free stuff to do here. And I had picnics and I, you know, always had vodka in my back pocket in every nightclub, you know. Of course. And, and uh, London was incredible. 
And I know a lot of people say it's a hard city, just like all cities, but not for me. I loved it. How far is London from Blackpool? Uh, door to door took me about four and a half hours. So that's okay. not too bad. Okay. You got to say, okay, because you're in the States where everybody travels a long way. In England, people are like, what? That's so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like a trip to New York. That's, yeah, for us, it's just a trip to New York. Tiny little country, don't forget. Yeah. Right. But, so, so you know, is your mom the only hairdresser in your family? Uh, there are eight. Oh, what? Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> All right, name them. Uh, okay, let me show you, I get this right. So uh, my grandmother, um, she had a salon that she then passed down to my uh, to my mom. That's my mom. There's myself, include me. There is uh, Grace, who's my cousin. Uh, she lives in London too. She's amazing. Then there is her mom, Karen. And then there is her mom, um, her grandmother, sorry, as well. And where am I up to? Six. Six. And then my uncle. Yeah, on the other side. So that's, how many is that? Seven. Seven. You missed oh, one. Wrong. <laughs> you, it's, still, it's the deepest hairdressing DNA we've had on this podcast yet. Oh, wait, no. I didn't get it wrong. <gasps> She'll kill me. My, you... my cousin, my, my, my first cousin, Rebecca, has a salon. <laughs> Oops. Oh, Rebecca's hey. gonna. Oh, Rebecca's gonna. I was put under pressure, Rebecca. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this really sucks because now uh, Sophia's not going to promote the uh, podcast because because uh, Rebecca's going to come and yell at her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe can't believe you forgot me, bro. <laughs> so the uh, hairdressing is seriously in your DNA. I mean, that's you know that's yeah. the deepest that we've had. Yeah, I um yeah, it's quite a lot, but it it depends as well at what, like where people have wanted to take it in my family. For example, like um, Rebecca, she's a really good example. Like, kind of just went into it from school. Just kind of, you know, she she had her own chair rental, and then she, she just she, you know she was working for a long time, and and I kept kind of inviting her to hairdressing events and stuff like that. And she came to a few, but maybe not as many as I thought. And uh, and then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. This like inner explosion inside her. She bought her salon. She's got beauty room. She's expanding her business. She just I don't know what happened, but sometimes. This just happens to people I've noticed, you know, people aren't always the same through their lives. And sometimes people just have a change of thought one day and just completely explode. And I've seen that in the industry a lot, you know, someone that might do 10 years kind of just behind the chair and then all of a sudden they go, boom, I want to do this. And there the industry is kind of waiting for them. And it was really cool to watch her grow and explode and get excited by what was on offer for her next step, you know? That's, That's awesome. amazing. And you know what I was going to, um, on that note, our industry is so great about that. You know, our, our industry is so great about supporting those that, 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 that want to be better and, 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 and want to do even do something different. I mean, look, we're two 30 year hairdressers that decided to do a podcast one day and the industry has like completely been uh, opened their arms to us and, and kind of, not only do they open their arms to us, but they've given us a great big hug too, you know, which, which, which is amazing. You know, it just, you know, two years ago, Tony and I, you know, we had, we had clients two feet in front of us and that's all that, that's as far as our reach was, you know? But as soon as you wanted to reach out, there it is. It's ready. It's there for you. The industry's yeah. there for you. How cool yeah. is that? It's very, it's incredibly cool. And like, you know, I know, I know the, I know the, the, the podcast thing is kind of a niche thing, but, but, but we, but like you said, like Rebecca, like once she decided, 
to commit to something that, again, the industry was, was waiting for her. You know, th this industry is waiting for you to make a difference. Which is so cool. There's two, there's two things that do aggravate me. If I ever hear anyone say that the industry isn't supportive or it's negative, first of all, I just, I, I just don't see it. You may have come across one person, I'm sorry. But it, as a whole, I think this industry is incredibly supportive. And the second thing is kind of moaning about, and now I'll go on my high horse, um, about the industry not being great for women because I have never, ever come up against anything about my gender within this industry, and I'm so proud to say that. There may be a lot of guys at the top, and that's fine, but I'll tell you what, never have I noticed I'm a woman in my own career. How, how cool is that? Yeah, that, that's amazing. And we, one of our uh, favorite hashtags that we use all the time on the podcast is hashtag unfollow negativity. If, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean, if, if just unfollow it, get it out. I mean, don't, don't give it any love or any attention. And if we do yeah. that, we can get rid of it. Oh, it depends what you want to focus on. You see what you see. <laughs> like, you see what you see. You're going to see it. If, if, if that's where, if that where your mind is, that's what you're going to see. It determines it 100%. That is, and I don't see it because I don't look for it. That's, 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 that's the name of this podcast. You, you see what you want to see. We're going to create a T-shirt. It's going to be episode this. Sophia Hilton, you see what you want to see. You see what you see. I love it. Yeah, that, that's, a great, that's a great tag. Dude, so, um, so when did you get into like, uh, when did you get into like salon ownership and, and that stuff? And what was the track to that? Um, so I was the, um, what was my bloody title? I was the um, artistic queen. I think it was queen. <laughs> not, not then. Um, I was the coordinator <laughs> of a salon called Brooks and Brooks. It's a really incredible salon. The owner, Sally Brooks, she's now British hairdresser of the year two times in a row. And I was our artistic coordinator. And essentially what I really wanted to be was her art director. Um, but I came at a time where, you know, she wasn't ready for retirement. <laughs> she wasn't, you know, the times were just not right. And I did seven years hard there and I was trained really hard. But ultimately I, I knew that I wanted to run that company. And I love that company to my core. I Had I become art director there, I would never have left, ever. I didn't have a desire to have my own company. It was really important to, to tell you that. But when it started coming to a close and, you know, she started saying to me, like, I don't know what to do with you. Like, you've done all the young art teams. You've traveled with me. You know, I had kind of done everything there was to do in the company. As soon as she kind of said that to me, I was like, okay, then I have to look elsewhere, right? Because there's no growth left. But I'd never thought of having a salon. I mean, uh, maybe, but I always thought I'd be an art, uh, an art director, you know, running around the world doing shows. And in a hair salon, I just thought, oh, spreadsheets and wages, and <laughs> which is exactly what it is. Um, and I didn't know how creative I could be. I thought I'd be stuck with the paperwork. You know? But um, did you start there as soon as you got? Did you start there when? Did you start there as soon as you got to London? I started there as soon as I got to London. So I did seven years um, of working on my skills. Right, I. You know, people have different ideas, but I truly believe you need to sit under someone else's mentorship and learn from someone for a long period of time. And I know there's, a, at least in England, there's so much kind of young people wanting to go out on their own and express themselves very young, but you haven't learned your craft. <laughs> 
you you really need to learn from someone well and I'm so glad I did that um and yeah I guess I I I, I'd learn as much as I could so it was four years ago to answer your question did you did you feel did you feel that Sally was um was kind of politely pushing you along like it's time for you to go and, and spread your wings so to speak do you know no one's ever asked me that I could ask her that. We still talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think maybe she was getting frustrated with me, probably, because I was uh, I was always that kid that was like, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want. She's like, slow down, okay. I'm trying, and she gave me so much, but it was never enough. I was always unsatisfied. But then, funnily enough, I have someone in my company right now. Same thing. Once more, whatever I give her, once more, once more, once more, and it does leave you with a feeling of like, like you know is this not good enough like am I not doing enough for you and then I see the parallels and I think oh my god she must have been like that with me she must have been it must have been very disheartening no matter what she gave it wasn't enough but maybe that is that's you know that's someone that's going to be very successful right maybe it reminds me of a story with Trevor Sorby and Vivian McKender when um she she worked for Trevor and yet she wanted more and more and more and she wanted to come to the states and he didn't want her to go he didn't want to lose her but he knew that was the best thing for her and so yeah. so he, you know he not allowed but he you know he, he said you know go and and and, and you know mm. plant your you know your, your roots somewhere and and because you're going to be success successful no matter where you're going to go and that's what she did and uh uh we kind of did a podcast bomb on him at the end of that podcast, we brought her back on and they had that conversation and that's exactly yeah. what this sounds like. You know what I mean? Like Sally, she probably didn't want to lose you, but she knew that's going to be what's going to be best for Sophia. This is probably the same with your, your girl. Yeah. I think, I think she felt it coming in the same way that staff worked for me and I can feel it coming. Like <laughs> we are, we are a bit in tune with what's going on. So I, I guess through having a company now, Everything that I used to go into her office and cry about or moan about, or blah, you know, and then I have to do similar things for my staff and then they get upset and I'm like, oh, this is so weird. And here I am getting to see the other side of the coin. Wow. <laughs> Maybe she wasn't a bitch on that day that she did this. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, mind blown, you know, and then, and then here I am being the bad guy and I'm sat in my office like crying myself being like, but I'm not the bad guy. I'm a really good guy. But sometimes you're just going to piss your staff off. That's it. Like you're just going to, no matter what you do at some point, I've got this new rule. So, um, it's my 30% rule. And I say to salon owners, um, as long as only 30% of your staff don't like you at any one time, you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. As long as and it doesn't hit 50. 50. And I've been right up to 95. But if we can stay somewhere in the 70 markets, okay. I love that. So when that day comes and she approaches you and says, you know what, I think I want to do something on my own. What what advice are you going to give her? Uh, what, staff members in general? Yeah. 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 Sort of like um, I think that the one thing that I'm doing slightly different, and uh, it's working to my advantage sometimes, not all the time, but a good percentage of the time, is I've started with my staff not even started from the start. If I feel something, I'm just going to say the elephant in the room. Hey, so I feel like you've been talking about traveling a lot. Talk to me about that. Mm-hmm. You know, when I know them, I'm thinking of this sabbatical, you know, whatever, or um, one of my staff members that I know she wants a salon, but she hadn't mentioned it for a while. And then a dad came to visit. 
And you know when family are around, that's when you start thinking about what you want to do with your life. You start having these group talks with your family. Same thing. I, I sat her down in a meeting. I was like, hey, so your dad's here. Uh, when are you getting a salon? Um, and I, 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 I'm just being more forward with picking out what I think is going to happen before they say it. And yeah, like a, yeah, about 70% of the time, it seems to work because... Maybe they were going to say that to me anyway, right? But I get to get there first. <laughs> With your staff, you know, it, it's even if you even if you reach that thirty percent of the time, even if you're aware enough thirty percent of the time, I mean, that's huge, right? I mean, change doesn't happen a hundred percent of the time. Change happens, you know, on much smaller intervals, right? Like none of us are none of us are perfect a hundred percent of the time, but we're perfect for one more perfect. So okay. I commend you. You know what I mean? That, that, that that's pretty cool that that, that you have. That means that, that you've put your ego aside a little bit and go, you know, what's not, it's not what's best for me necessarily, but what's best for you as, as a staff member. And if you want to, how can I help? I assume that's what you're she saying. She cares. I mean, obviously she cares about them. Right. Yeah, I do. But this thing, so yeah, times like, for example, I got one girl, she, she really wants to be a stylist. She just wants to cut. She's really interested in every kind of cutting. And we're a color dominant, you know, salon. And she would say things in the meeting like, um, well, as a person that doesn't like color, da, 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 and she starts to speak, I'd be like, hmm, I'm not <laughs> sure this is the influence I really want to have, you know, in the, in the group. She was amazing. Um, so I would say to her in the meeting, hey, like, have you thought about moving to a, color, a cutting focus salon? You know, like, and believe me, she was my head assistant. She was like, oh, gold dust department. She was so good. But I just thought she's just going to end up hating me, right? When she feels unsatisfied with, the fact that I can't provide her with what she wants. And was that a one-on-one -on -one meeting that you had with her? Like it was just yeah, a Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super private. Yeah. So do you, do you schedule those or, or is it just like when you feel like you need them or, or do you try no, to do one-on-one? No, we're on top of this. So every two months they have a full hour with me. So I have uh, nearly 20 members of staff in and outside the salon. Um, and now I even do small check-ins. So I'll do like a 15 or 30 minute in between that. So it's a long time and it usually starts with, Hey, so how are you? What do you think I could do better for you? <laughs> what do you think uh, I can do better for you? Mm. Yeah. What's the name of your salon? Not another salon. <laughs> Great name. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I, do you know, it's funny. I think over time when they first have the meetings with me and I start talking to them like this, they're like, wow, that they can't believe that my whole intention is, what do you need from me? How can I make this better for you? How can I support you? And then maybe about a year later, they, and it's human nature, they no longer notice those things that were super special at the start. They become part of their everyday life. Right. Um, and it's interesting because that is noticed and then not noticed. And I, I actually struggle how to get that noticed again. I have to change what I do in order for them to see it. That yeah, sense? That's fantastic because a lot of times salon owners want to tell you what I need you to do. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, no. Well, you know, what she did is she just quoted Gary Vaynerchuk, whether she knows it or not, because uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, he says that th that a leader works for the people. The people don't work for the leader. Yeah, I'm a fan. I know him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just quoted him, so. Right. <laughs> But that is, it, it is always about, um, one of my favorite books is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, millions of copies, it's quite old now. Um, and it always says, seek first to understand and then to be understood. So you'd never find me in a meeting trying to put my point across until they've really exhausted speaking. 
and that's always been the case. Um, there's one thing I do that's really helpful actually. It's horrible. This is so horrible. So once a year, I do what's called a feed up sheet. So rather than a feedback sheet, it's feed up because I truly believe that feedback tends to go down, right? From the top to the bottom, all the hierarchies down. And very rarely it comes back up. So I do this sheet and it's really negative. There's not really anything positive in it. It's like, um, what do you dislike about my management style? What do you think I could do better? What do you dislike about? It's just basically about me as a manager. And it's, there's a couple of positives in there just to make myself feel a little bit better. <laughs> um, but other than that, it's pretty, it's pretty harsh. Um, I have to moan at them to get it done, but eventually they get it done. They put them back in my office. They can be anonymous if they want them to be. It's often better if it's not, because then if I want to find more information about it, I know where to you go. Can address it. But how, oh my God, I read them once a year and I cry for about two weeks straight. It's hard because I really push them to be honest. And a lot of the time it's stuff I know, right? Like it's stuff I know, but it's a good way for me to indicate what are the most important things I need to deal with and to really drag it out of them. People don't talk. They don't talk. They won't tell you how they feel. So I, I really try and get them to talk. But yeah, woo, that is the hardest two weeks of my year, I think. But like I said to you, when they first come to the company, they, they're like, oh my God, what is this? My manager has never asked me how I want to be managed. And then about a year later, it's, oh, it's that bloody form again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, guys, it's a really good thing. Mm, but you know, it. it's human nature, eh? It's like human nature. How did you come up with the name? Oh, that's my husband. Um, because I didn't really want the salon, I was a bit reluctant. I was like, oh, I don't want just another salon. And he was like, well, there's your name. And I was like, just another salon, not another salon. And it was just in that moment. And it was basically on the idea that if it wasn't going to be this salon, I wasn't going to do it. It had to be looking at everything that's done and seeing if I can find a better way around it, specifically with how I'm treating uh, staff, really, more than anything. So the, 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 when I was researching, and, and I read a lot of, I mean, she was in, she's been in, in, in a lot of articles, and it, it was almost 90% of everything was talking about the salon. And mm. it was, the, the, the things that would come up with, a non non-judgmental salon you know what yeah. i mean it was a safe bubble for for everybody and it's a safe place and, and not just you know it's kind of like welcome to your your safe bubble right and just all these 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 articles about how different and it's not just another salon how how much of a safe place it was not only for the hairdresser but for the clients yeah true so it's it's just really about um to give you the violence mm. uh, the fact that i was just super bullied at high school you know and um i had a really rough time and i probably should have left that school but i'm very stubborn and i was bullied for every reason and uh it was just really really hard i mean i got hit over the head with a brick one day what yeah like i've i've been beaten up several times i was just it was torture absolute torture and I don't know, just because I've always been quite different. The kids just hated me being different, you know. But the more they hated me for being different, the more I wanted to be like me. So I loved wearing high heels at school, you know. It was my favorite thing. I loved high heels. And if they picked on me for wearing heels, I would literally take my pocket money, go shopping that night, and try and find higher ones. <laughs> and, like, my hair was super blonde, and they didn't like it being blonde, so I would go home and get the prop side out and get blonder, you know. 
and uh, I had it pink, I had it, whatever, they, whatever they picked on me for, I would just come in harder. And at that point, my dad was like, oh my God, please just try to fit in. And I just couldn't. Because if I tried to fit in, they won, right? Right. So I, uh, so yeah, that was shit. (laughs) (laughs) That was shit. And I got into the working world. It got a little bit better. I had a bit of bullying when I got to Brooks and Brooks, actually. Um, It took me three years till I made friends in that company, actually. Um, yeah I wasn't invited to any of the dinners they used to go out without me that everything was happening without me it was all secretive I just didn't fit in at all and so I find it really funny now that people think that they want to be my friend or that I'm a bit cool because I'm like none of you wanted to know and I never change I've been the same this whole time and it's funny because now everyone thinks what I think is cool or they like my way of thinking but we're, we're talking years of everyone not liking me i guess everybody gets caught Mm -hmm. up in their own little group and they're not trying to listen Mm -hmm. or or get to know you they just you know put an assumption or or put you in a in a category and and not give you the time yeah i found this one text message on my phone that i sent to one of the girls when i first arrived saying hey i don't know anyone like i do feel quite lonely and if you guys ever do anything i'd really love to come and uh, that person never replied. And then two years later, we got quite a job together. We had to do a show together. And obviously the previous text message is above. And it was like, hey, Sophia, so we're working on this job together, blah, blah. And it was like, the message was above. And I was like, ah, uh-huh. you know, we might be working on the job together, but I can't forget that. I can't forget that I was sad and lonely and, and isolated and no one cared. Anyway, that's the violins are gone now. So... <laughs> I, um, when I got my salon, the reason why I wanted to do it in the way I wanted to do it is that anyone that's not accepted, just like me, I wanted them to feel safe. I'm like, I just needed this safe space where you're allowed to be different and everyone would just praise you for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, London's a great place for that, but we still have the same prejudice as everywhere else in the world, right? Yeah, it's amazing. Because it, even your client, if they wanted to book a silent haircut, tell me what that is about. Well, um, if I truly have a no judgment policy company, which is that anybody, any type is allowed to come to my company. Um, the one thing I noticed is that my salon is very loud. It's full of, it's full of like they're dancing while they're working. It's full of banter. It's, and somehow I thought, oh, maybe we're isolating a certain customer. Because maybe there's a customer that would like to come to me, but actually they don't want to engage in this hectic, you know, uh, chit chat. And also sometimes, you know, hairdressers, we just talk about absolute rubbish, don't we? <laughs> um, <laughs> made so a career out of it. It's, we created a silent haircut, which means when you book up, you can say, hey, I want to book a haircut. I'll have a silent one, please. Or I want to book a silent color. And we'll do everything. We'll do the, um, you know, the consultation. We'll talk about products. We'll talk about your hair, like all the hair chat. I just want to talk about your holiday or tell you about the fact that I just spoke with my boyfriend and bore you to death. <laughs> hey did you um i i get just to tell you this i get a lot of backlash on this where people say yeah but you know sophia if you're a good hairdresser you should know when to stop talking to your client and i've got a bloody good argument on this well no because i tell you what i'm a chatty person so when i get my hair done right the hairdresser talks to me i engage straight away i start talking we chat 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 we have a great time but i leave that appointment because i do have my head on other salons try them out but I leave that salon a little bit exhausted 
Because realistically, if someone gave me the option in advance, even though I, I am a chatty person, I think I would prefer not to talk. But it's in my nature. Do you know what I mean? Like it's in my nature to talk. Yes, because you're. Uh, we have a podcast because our nature is to talk as well. At least my nature is to talk yeah. as well. So when you do the, I um, when you do the silent uh, the uh, haircuts, is do you do you have a room that 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 you can isolate in? No, it's not about being in isolation because people do want to come to my salon for the, 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 the outfits that the staff are wearing. They want the music. That they like that, but they just might not want to engage in. You know, that's fair. I'm sure everybody in London knows you. So when there, you said you go try other salons just to see the competition. I'm sure when they see you coming in, I'm sure they're like. Well, before I opened the salon, I went to every salon in my area. So I've been to them all. And then since then, it's really only when I'm on vacation. Yeah, not, yeah London doesn't really work out very well. <laughs> <laughs> Sophia, so um, so that beautiful yellow hair that's become your trademark. What uh, what brand is that? Oh, this is crazy color. Crazy color. Yeah, crazy color, canary yellow. But I, what's interesting about it is that it's on high lift tint. I don't know if you call it high lift tint over there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I haven't bleached my hair for like four years. I'm a base six, so it's healthy. Healthy, healthy, healthy. It looks awesome. It like, does. Look I love great. it. You know. And now, now we're seeing a lot. We're seeing a lot more yellow coming up. You know, although uh, Pantone just said blue is the color of the year. You know, we we certainly see a lot more yellow coming up. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Sophie, I, 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 you know, just to kind of backtrack just just slightly <laughs> is that I legitimately your 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 Instagram is one of my favorite one of my favorite Instagrams to kind of stalk. I just you you I just. I have this hard connect where like people didn't like you because I find you so incredibly engaging and so incredible likable. Like, like I'm just kind of, I'm blown away by that. Yeah. I don't know. I always thought I was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you're great too. And I didn't know you when uh, people didn't like you. On the uptake. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's just awesome that you didn't give in to pressure, peer pressure or listen to your father and you stayed true to yourself. And, you know, and so anybody who's listening to this podcast or who follows you, I mean, and if they're struggling with their identity, stay mm-hmm. true to yourself, you yeah. know, because you are the perfect example of just just overcoming all those fears and, and just insecurities and just and just yeah. true to yourself. That's it. To be fair to my dad, the reason why I am a little bit weird is because my dad used to encourage that. Um, to his dismay, when I started getting bullied for it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he was the one that used to take, there was like this one shop in my hometown that was like kind of rocky kind of, I don't know, alternative. I don't know what you call it over here, uh, over there. And, um, he used to be like, Oh, you know, don't be a sheep. And we used to go together <laughs> and, um, he used to try and encourage me to, I didn't really know what I was wearing. I didn't understand the music culture or anything, but I just was trying to wear multicolors and fun things. And yeah, that was me expressing myself at an early age. So how, how is he now? Is he, is he like super proud or super like, like He's a, my dad and my nan have been to everything I've ever done, including all my courses. They sit at the back. Um, they come to every single hair event, every award wow. from the first things. In fact, when I first started, I used to do competitions and um, we used to literally get a van, put the models, the makeup artists, everything in the back. I was maybe 18 and we used to drive to different places in the country and chase the competitions wherever they were. Um, he took me everywhere, man. Like, he was so amazing. 
So, so you guys well, are super close. Yeah, really close. And right now he can hold a hairdressing conversation about any. He's not a hairdresser. He's like, not at all. But he can hold a conversation about anything to do with hair. He follows all of the people on Instagram. He, yeah, he knows all of their stories before me. He'll tell me when someone's going to done something cool. <laughs> he loves That's his brutal. baby girl. That's what he does. Who are who are who are your uh give a shout out? Like who are your like top five people that uh hairdressers that you follow? Oh, this is really hard actually. Um I'm gonna be really mean to the UK, but the state's really whooping our ass, right? Oh. Like I find it a lot more inspiration from your country than I am from mine, which is um sorry to say that to people from my country. Um I'm really surprised. So I'm looking at Gina Bianca and um, and Lisa because I'm really surprised how much they give away, first of all. And it's something that I've been really nervous about as an educator because do we, when we give everything away, do we? what else do we get to give when people come to our shows? So I've been watching them and becoming more and more brave about how much I can give away of my own content. And that's been really cool to be like, oh, you can still be successful and give out everything. But I'll be honest with you, most of my inspiration is never from my industry. I like to take things from, you know, talking about Gary a minute ago, like taking things from him and how can I inject it into my industry? So I'm, I love hair, but I really love the other stuff, guys. Like, I really love how to run a column, how to be happier every day, how to find what, what you want to do in life, you know, how to be more well-rounded. So if I follow anyone on Instagram, it's going to be like psychologists, <laughs> uh, <laughs> mainly, or, or um, business influencers. And I don't know if you, know, you guys know, I go on like Tony Robbins and stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm all in for looking at my life as a whole, not just as a hairdresser, you know. Well, you love that, and we love you for that. That's amazing. Thank you. That, that, that's 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 awesome. Actually, yeah. I, I kind of dig that. Um, what's a uh, what's a fetish performer? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, so the story goes: um, I was in London when I was twenty-one, and I went to a nightclub, and there was a girl on a hoop. And um, it was a it was like a fancy dress night. You call it fancy dress? I don't know. I don't. Costume night, right? Yeah, yeah, you got it, got it, right, right. And I had got a Bollywood bikini on, which never would be okay now because um, of cultural appropriation. But back then it was okay. I had a Bollywood bikini on that I'd sewn these lights into, right? Um, And it was like a Bollywood themed night. And I stood next to this guy and I said, oh, doesn't she look amazing as she's doing this um, aerial hoop stuff? And he said, oh, yeah, she looks great, but she'd look so much better if she was doing it in your outfit. And I said, oh, yeah. And he said, oh, what's your name? I'm, oh, what did he say? I'm a performance booker. And just in that moment of being a little bit drunk, I was like, oh, because I'm actually a performer. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't we all? (laughs) And he was like, no way. And I was like, yeah, totally. I was like, yeah, I can do that. No, I used to climb a lot of trees as a kid and I'm not really scared of heights. And I thought, I can do that. I can do that. So um, he said, give me a number. And I said, okay, well, I'm not really ready that now. I'm working on something. <laughs> and uh, I went and bought myself a hoop and I hooked it up to the ceiling and I started to practice aerial hoop. And I love making costumes. So I started making costumes and I started getting bookings and 
I did dancing on podiums and I did uh, aerial hoop and then I did like various different mad things I came up with and then the fetish performance was one particular event he had I don't know he wanted me dressed like a dominatrix and running around with some whips and um, I was like sure I'll give it a go and I did and I had a great time <laughs> I've done this all the way through my career except it was advised to me within the editing industry to keep this very much a secret because you know you know I don't know how people might perceive it sorry Even I brought it up yeah, well, it's fine. <laughs> and then I met, when I met my husband, he started coming to my performances. So it was like burlesque, but a bit raunchier. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's all black and whatever. And um, when he started coming to my performances, I thought he might, I was like, how is he going to react? Like, you know, like, this is quite provocative. And I noticed the only thing he was, was jealous. Of <laughs> <laughs> so you? Said, what, can we, what can we do together? So me and him started learning fire. And we started doing fire performances at the weekend. We did festivals and we did parties and well, we had a great time. We got to earn money and have fun. Uh, it was amazing. In fact, I got engaged the second after our fire performance finished. We got down on one knee. We were covered in paraffin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so cool. That's so uh, cool. So now it doesn't take now. I mean, there was a point where I started running the events and I had 10 girls and I used to train them, but it got too much. So it's just a hobby, maybe three times a year. Your husband you know, sounds like an amazing guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I love him. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I mean, he's, he allows me to be me in every way, you know? That's, That's so hard. great. You, but I mean, I, I, I want to be real delicate here. I, it's not considered sex work though, right? It's just like a, no, it's just like a, a fetish no, thing. So there's nothing, um, no, you're not, you're not offensive at all. It's a hundred percent not that. So the best way I can describe it is, um, uh, we do performances for quite rich people. So they feel like they may have been to something naughty, but they haven't. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's literally like, it's a stage performance, like a burlesque, right. but it like, it looks naughty, but nothing naughty happens. Like, nothing <laughs> <laughs> it's boring fact, naughty it did, this particular crowd would freak the fuck out <laughs> <laughs> they want to stand around in a tuxedo and a champagne and they want to watch something you know they want to watch the misfits about. yeah they just want to yeah, watch the misfits they do, but they, they don't really want to engage in it they just want to watch it so if, if you've ever seen burlesque it's like that but it's got two whips and it's all in black <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant all right, this is the most awkward uh, segue we've ever done on the podcast. Yeah. But, uh, tell me, uh, Sophia, uh, tell me what's uh, close to your heart and um, your, your Madagascar charity. Oh, okay, this is a weird segue. You're right. Um, so Madagascar, a short backstory is that my husband and I met each other and we spent 14 days together and then we moved to Madagascar to volunteer. And we spent the first three months of our relationship uh, living up a mountain with no one that spoke English. Mm. Um, and we were volunteering and I, first of all, I did some stuff in some schools just to get us settled. And then the main thing was hairdressing, teaching. And uh, changed my life, changed my life. I'd done volunteering before when I was 21. I volunteered in Ghana and that was a big game changer for me. And I just knew that I wanted charity to be a part of my life forever. And um, I don't know, when I came back, I spent a lot of time crying about the fact that the more I get going with my career, the more I'm never going to help the world in a way that I want to help it. 
So when we opened up the salon, we said that we would give 10% of the profits of the salon to Madagascar. My parents were shitting themselves. They were like, are you kidding? Because you know how hard it is to make profit in, you know, in business. Right. It's hard. And I said, well, don't worry, Dad. 10% of nothing is nothing. So I've got nothing to give. <laughs> I'm not going to give anything away. Um, so obviously we didn't make money for a while. And now we started giving. And uh, we've been looking after a family over there for eight years. And, um, and now we look after a hospital over there as well. Wow. So each Christmas we make an extra donation. I think we just gave an extra £7,000. Um, so we, yeah, we keep chipping away at it and helping where we can. So it's going to be a part of my life forever. In fact, we're just um, talking about adoption right now. And I had every intention of adopting from this country, but I would like a reason to go back to Madagascar for the rest of my life. And I'd like to give to that place for the rest of my life. So we've had the idea that if we have a child from there, it will enable us to keep giving to that place and keep traveling back. So we're considering, only considering right now, maybe to have a, maybe to have a baby from there. So, yeah, it's big. <laughs> and that just shows you, again, like the beginning of our podcast, your heart. You know what I mean? How, how big and how open and how beautiful it is. And, yeah, um, so I've been making like a bit of a deal. I, I feel a bit sick when I travel to places. I'm, I'm not the person that could go on a five-star ho- holiday in a developing country that's super poor. It just makes me feel a bit sick, um, to, especially to know that there are poor people on the other side of the wall. It's just weird. So I'm going to India next year, and we're doing a hairdressing show over there. But I'm trying to incorporate something so that whenever I go to a particular country, I donate a certain amount of money from that job to that country. Yeah. Um, we did the same in South Africa. Um, I don't know. It's like like offsetting your carbon emissions. I don't know. Like, <laughs> be like, oh, here I am making lots of money doing something nice. Okay, I'm gonna give back somewhere. And that's oh how I see it. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I have a new I have a new level of love for her now. Like, <laughs> it's it was it was it was really nice kind of witnessing the passion that 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 you kind of told that with. I mean, it's like you could see it, you could feel it. It, it was there, and, and and man, you're you're just amazing, yeah. my friend. But my my objective, like obviously, I'm quite good at making money in the way that I'm I'm, I'm quite smart um, with money, and a lot of hairdressers that have salons aren't. I am. I I know how to work my figures. I know how to value myself when I do a job. Like I won't undervalue hair work or education work, whatever. But ultimately, I'm not trying to make lots of money <laughs> because I've got a nice house and I have a car, and it's about all I really need. So any money that I'm kind of making now isn't really necessarily for a bigger life for us. It will just be given away because I, I'm a little bit scared of being trapped by money. I think someone described it as golden handcuffs. Mm-hmm. I you've heard that expression. Yeah. And I think if I, if I get to myself to a point where I'm, I have all this really fabulous stuff around me, I'll never want to go back down again. And then I'm just going to work myself to the bone just to facilitate that. And I'm trapped. I don't want to trap myself that way. Beautiful. Wow. If it's okay with you in the future, maybe one day as we're developing um, our company, we would love to to try to um, just connect with you in a sense of, you know, we will, cause we talk about doing stuff like that all the time and, and uh, yeah. you know, just love to just kind of pick your brain on it. And, and oh, I'd love to. Yeah. Even this Christmas, I just said to my husband yesterday, we're not going to buy presents for our baby. Cause like the whole family buys so much shit. Right. 
um, but we will donate to save the children. And when he was born, what we decided to do is we got everyone we know to give us baby stuff for free. And then we would add up how much it was and then we'd give that to save the children. So we got everything we needed for a baby and we got, give, got to give money to charity together. It was so cool. It's brilliant. That is so awesome. And like, you can see how good she feels about that too, right? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can, you know, there's nothing wrong with feeling good about giving to charity. It's this weird thing where it's not supposed to feel good, but if it didn't, people wouldn't do it as much. So. No, I think it's the opposite though. Like, you know, it's like, it, it, it's even, it's even you like. You want to know how you feel. If you want to feel amazing, give. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That, that's exactly it. I was going to say it's even like as easy as like, uh, you know, when you open the door for somebody, just what that feels like, you know, just just to just to be a part of like like a society together and to be a, a member of, of said society. That's mm. awesome. Um, what else are you up to? What else am I up to? Um, right now, I am in a really big place in my career where I'm slightly changing my direction. Um, which is interesting. And I haven't spoken about this publicly yet. So hi. <laughs> um, but I, like I said to you before in this podcast, that I'm really interested in the other stuff that helped keep us together. So well-being is something that obviously you understand is really, really passionate about because all the career advice in the world means nothing if your head is up your ass. <laughs> you know, if you don't know how to balance yourself and your emotions, if you don't know what's going on inside you, you know, you can, you can really screw things up for yourself with all the right ingredients. So my, um, my ambition is next year, 2020, so I'm just putting the dating now, the diary, is that I'm going to move over into um, doing more about looking after yourself and more well-being, more self-development. Yeah, it just, it, it's still within hairdressing. I don't really feel like I need to move out the industry too much. Hairdressers are 1% of the population in the UK. I've got enough people to go on. <laughs> but people don't contact me quite so much about hair anymore. They're contacting me about how do I be a mother and run a column or how do mm. I get to my dreams but stay healthy? Like, that's what people talk to me about the most. Um, how are you and Elizabeth Fay? Or not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to quite, I'm not going to uh, phrase it like that, but, but, do you know Elizabeth Fay? No, I don't know if I do. I she does should. the hair love retreat. Dude, you guys are like, okay. you guys are like, you're, you're like this, yeah. man. You're yeah. together. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I think okay. I'm, we're going to have to reach out to Elizabeth Fay because you oh, have to be a part of her okay. hair love retreat, which is happening mm -hmm. in May in Zion Park. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's yeah. incredible. Like you're, you're saying this and this, these are, these are like Elizabeth's words. Like, how are they not? She needs to, there's, one, there's one thing that was really close to me. So I, I do social media courses. I don't do anything with brand, by the way. Like everything is my own. So I run a course. I've done three now. They had between three and 350 people come to them. And um, the thing that I do in the morning, I'm teaching social media for sure. But the thing I do in the morning is a little bit more like trying to understand how to prioritize your time. Because if you don't sort that out, how on earth are you ever going to be successful at something you want to be successful at? And I got everybody in the room to write down the 10 people closest to them, both mentally and physically. And that's just kind of an idea I came up with one morning. Um, so like mentally, um, you know, like for example, my mom is mentally close to me, but she might live far away. But physically it could be, okay, this person working by the side of me is not my best friend, but 
you know, they're influencing me whether I like it or not because they're near me. So I get everyone to write it down. And then I ask you to look at the list and be like, okay, so who are the negative ones? Who are the ones bringing in, you know, that negativity and badness in your life? Who are the ones that are quite lazy, that are always trying to drag you to do something, you know, just hanging out instead of really trying to achieve your goals? Who? And I made them look down this list and try and like pinpoint these people that might not be helping their life. And then about three months later, I got um, a message through on Instagram from a woman that said, Sophia, thank you so much for your activity. I looked at the list for a month straight and I finally put a line through my abusive husband. Oh. And I was like, wow, that was just, that was the best thing. I've won awards this year. I've done amazing things this year. I've done shows all over the place. That was the best part of my year, that message. Best part. Hands that's that's mind-blowing. Yeah, that's awesome. Have you posted about that? No, not yet. I need to talk to her and ask her permission on that. But well, yeah. you could do, I mean, definitely, you definitely have to post yeah. about it. I mean, maybe just anonymously, but I mean, yeah, what, a yeah, great, yeah. what a great New Year's Eve post. Like, you know, what am I most grateful for this year? You know, when you're doing those posts and like, yeah, you know, true. I've won this award, I've won that award, but like mm-hmm. what the, the one that, 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 that hit the closest towards, uh, or, or what meant the oh, most. And that really, it's that so drives brilliant. me so much. That drives me to go, oh my God, I just, I want more of that. I want, you know, I do. I really enjoy the mothers contacting me saying like, you know, I, you know, I was going to not have children because I can't do both, but I'm going to have children now. Like, that's a, like they've influenced a massive thing in someone's life. Like how special, you know? Truly. You are, mm-hmm. you, you are such a gift. Thank you so much. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for, uh, for spending some time. Yeah. Thank you for spending so much time with us. Um, Can't wait to meet you physically. I know. I know. I, we, I, I'm serious. I'm going to talk to, um, I'll, I'm going to reach out. Legitimately, I'm going to reach out to Gina and Olivia and see if, um, if, if we can yeah. come. come. Yeah, we, we definitely want to. I mean, you know, forget those two. I just want to meet you and I want to give you a big uh, sloppy American hug because uh, you're an inspiration. I'll be there. That's so yeah. brilliant. All right, I, I, we got to get out of this, but I don't want to. So, right. uh, so anyways, well, um, let, let's get out and then, and then we'll chat after a little bit. Um, okay. Miss Sophia Hilton, thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off. You're very welcome. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. Peace and hair grease.